All right, we're excited to get started uh, for another week of conversation with accessibility leaders. Uh, Wally has launched a podcast uh, to join a weekly conversation with leaders and community evangelists uh, about the challenges of navigating an effective accessibility strategy. Uh, each week, guests join to talk about their journey uh, in successes and setbacks, uh, primarily with a focus on how they've overcome these obstacles uh, and how. Uh, it can affect everyone who decides to listen. So, uh, my name is Brian Gavin. I'm the co-founder of Wally. I'm delighted today to be joined by uh, Roman Guerrero, and really excited to have you uh, on the show today. Thank you, Brian. I'm excited to be here. It's uh, it's been a good conversations we've had in the past, and I'm looking forward to getting to expand on that here. Yeah, we've uh, we've had some great conversations that uh, didn't didn't make it to air. So today we'll be sure to. Uh, make it the best one yet. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I'd love for you to uh, share with the audience um, a little bit about your background, uh, what yeah. you work on in the accessibility space and, and, and anything else you want to share. Yeah. So a few bits about me. You're probably wondering why I'm here in the accessibility space. It's because I'm in a wheelchair. So I'm 25 now. Five years ago, I was riding a motorcycle and I crashed it. And I, when I fell off my bike, I slammed into a parked car and I broke my back at the T2, T3 level all the way down to T8. And so now what that means is I'm paralyzed from right about here down. And the trajectory that has changed my life for obvious reasons is apparent, but the ones that are less apparent have had a very strong effect on the course of my life and the direction of the routes I take. So now it took a few years, I will be honest, the first three years after that, I spent a life where I didn't hear no very often because I was a young guy who just got hurt and I very much got away with whatever I wanted. And so what that did for me was put me on a track to go nowhere. Because unless you start hearing no and meet opposition, you're going to find that you can make your way through life and learn absolutely nothing. So the two years that followed after that, more apparently the last year, have been very challenging years that I have brought onto myself while trying to educate others on accessibility and learn more about it myself. Because what I found was that I was a huge vacuum of knowledge in this space. Before these these very changing times in my life, I had no idea what accessibility meant. I didn't know about wheelchairs and all of these things about people having different needs and hearing disabilities and all the rest of it. So it was very new to me. I was very ignorant in this world, not because I didn't care, but because it didn't come across my table. So now that I'm here in this position, what I've learned is that I've put myself in positions to help guide others, to help educate others, and to help consult others to be, to be more educated in this space as well. So right now, I do a handful of things in this space. I do modeling for accessibility. So being someone who's part of many minority groups, it allows me to go and be part of these models and sessions and stuff like that. And I work with Lululemon. I work with their Paralympic design team, and I'm in charge of being the fit model and the product tester of all the new iterations we're making. So to get to the final piece of clothing, there's five iterations that we go through with pins hanging through everything, and I go with them through that and help figure that out and test it out in different spaces. And I do public speaking as well. So I do motivational speaking for fitness events. And I do educational speaking for schools, elementary schools and universities. And I get to go in there, talk to the students, challenge them, educate them, and the teachers as well. It's, a, it's something that I've learned. It's very, when it's in your bubble, it always makes sense to you. And you, it's hard to conceptualize the fact that people outside of your bubble don't know what you're talking about or what you're going through, even though at a glance it might seem obvious. So getting to help educate all these kids and all these parents and all these teachers and all these older students about how life works in a wheelchair and what we can do and our limitations and how to communicate and have conversations 
has been a huge part of my life in the most recent five, six months and something that I really enjoy doing and I will continue to pursue, pursue doing because the amount of value that I find in there and the purpose I find within myself doing that has turned out to be very, very gratuitous and something that I've learned to really enjoy. So it's not really a summary of what I do. It's very much an explanation, but I hope that answers uh, a little bit about who I am. Yeah, I, I thought it was you know interesting. You kind of spoke about after your your accident, having to get educated on this space. Um, that's something that you know I hope today's conversation will do for others. But um, I, I, it's interesting, and it and it um, it resonates with me because. Um, a lot of folks, from when it comes to accessibility, there isn't a ton of education, and and I think the standards for schools or communities uh, or and businesses, most importantly, don't don't really have an equal partner to look to. So, how did you break down that education? What were some helpful resources um, that you used to get immersed, uh, not by choice, but uh, uh, by life's journey? Yeah. So before I get into that, I want to say to everybody listening, if you're a business owner, if you're an employee, if you're a teacher, doesn't matter where you are. I go to the hospital pretty regularly because of injuries or whatever else to do with my disability, especially during the first three years. And what I learned was they don't know what's going on with disability. The nurses have no idea. Half the doctors don't know. So if you feel guilty for not knowing or knowing how to approach these conversations, just know that people who spent their life studying doctors and medicine and all these things, they don't even know. So never feel guilty for not knowing something because the people who should very often don't. So approach everything with an open mind and a conversation and that'll get you very, very far. But to answer your question, what how I learned about this was uh, it was a lot of experience, a lot of conversation with people who were leaders in the community, people who were aged in the community. I had some very good mentors at a certain point as well. I still have two of them that I respect and they are very educated. One in terms of wheelchairs, he makes them. He was on the BC Canada and the Canada team for basketball. And he's very educated in that sense. And I have another older gentleman who's been a mentor as well named John. And John is one of the development leaders in Praxis, something like that. They work with disability here mm -hmm. in Vancouver. And he has been instrumental to me learning how to be me again, learning how to be proud of who I am and not look at myself as someone in a wheelchair, but just as someone. So though they have been very, very powerful in terms of reading and education. I didn't spend much time doing that because I kind of learned it as I went. And that was something that I'm very grateful for because it's brought a lot of value for me and my ability to communicate and educate on what this means to live with and what it means to deal with in terms of if you're a business or with a person and you want to figure out how to have conversations based around this. So it really was a very much go at your hands dirty and learn as you go situation. That's how most yeah. of my things have gone in life. And this was no different. So it was definitely one of those things. But there's good education out there. But I would say talk to somebody and it'll teach you. Everything yeah, you that, that conversation piece, I think, is so important. And, it, and it's a good segue to talk about uh, the brands that you've worked with, that you've had exposure to uh, from a professional setting. I'm curious some of the challenges you've seen on trying to implement and scaling an accessibility strategy. So implementing and scaling is, uh, is definitely an end goal, but not where most people start, especially mm -hmm. when you're getting into a business. First, first of all, it's mainly visibility or coming in from a place of they want to feel, uh, make sure people feel seen. So they'll get you in there and you'll have communications with them and you'll conversate and 
the ability to help scale the brand or company in that direction comes down to me as an individual being interesting, respectful, open, vulnerable, and not so much from the door that first gets me into their company. So when I go there, it's to model, it's to do this, it's to do that, it's to help with little things here and there. But what I quickly have found is even in my apartment building where I used to live, I became a disability coordinator and someone who was in charge of checking the apartment buildings that were nearby for consultations to make sure they were accessible. Does this building have uh, power open? Does this building have a sensor open? Does this building have easy open doors to the garbage room? And consulting in those types of projects helped me bring awareness to the people that I was working around and towards and to other people in the community. Because there was people with disabilities who lived in those buildings, but they didn't have the voice like I did. So being able to help move brands in the right direction comes a lot from at least my personal experience. It comes a lot from my ability to put my step, my step my foot forward and be able to communicate these things in a way that resonates with people who are titans in the industry, whether that's owning apartment buildings or contractors or developers. Yeah. And then going from there to teachers, teachers in universities, teachers in high schools, elementary schools, there's a lot of people who want to learn, but they just don't know how. So figuring mm. out that in and being someone who's personable and charming helps build that bridge. And then when you're there, beautiful things happen. What's it like getting immersed in the brand? The folks that are uh, either in the studio with you uh, or tech folks that you may have spoken to, uh, the creative folks that are in the studio. Um, helping to draw and drive the art direction. Is it a is it a taboo topic? Is it a like, hey, this is something that you know our brand is is immersed in. You had said, well, we're not going to start with scale, so um, I don't know. It kind of led me to believe that maybe there's some foundational parts of uh, how a brand gets started, or even why they're not getting started. You know, the irony to that question is that it is taboo if they haven't gotten started or just are getting started. It's mm. an open conversation if it's already there, of course. But if it's new and they want to figure out how to get their way in, then it's taboo. So that's an, mm. interesting, an interesting subject to try and navigate. And then that comes, that reflects on me and my ability to be vulnerable. And then once we're there, it starts to open conversations that lead to the place they want to be anyway. Would, would the conversation be part of some of the bigger challenges you see brands facing or how... What would be, you know, top two biggest macro challenges that you see at, uh, within the brand space? It's uh, the top two problems would be getting the right person in the studio mm-hmm. because it is something that I've seen when I go to businesses and I'm there with another person who has a disability that I don't know if they aren't extra outgoing to let the company in is going to create a barrier so you have to put yourself out there a little more than someone normally would so that the person on the other side is more receptive and leans towards your direction which is tricky because you you don't want to expect more from someone to go out of their comfort zone so that the other company feels comfortable enough to have the conversations i hope this makes sense but what i've learned is that you have to take that first step and once you initiate things will happen. Conversations will flow and it'll be so much easier, but it's hard to get that right person in the door from the beginning 
that's going to mm-hmm. overstep and overshare to make everyone feel comfortable. I like the reference to um, being a consultant uh, where you're living to help provide essentially firsthand experience about what it's like to you know, navigate the building, um, being in a wheelchair. Do you find it common practice that you know brands are bringing in folks from the accessibility space? I know you know for Lululemon they've made an investment um, in this space uh, to help demonstrate that their brand is applicable um, to everyone, uh, or at least to a more inclusive audience. So the the approach from a brand perspective, I guess you know, can you share a little bit of pers- uh, your perspective on that? Yeah, so there's companies like Lulu is great at it. Uh, Tommy Hilfiger does it as well. Roots, if you go on their websites, you can find an accessibility section. And what that leads to is not an accessibility menu. It's actually an accessible amount of clothes. So it'll be pants, shirts, shoes, and things that they'll do to try and make it more accessible. So whether it's easier zippers, easier clips, using Velcro on things that didn't normally have Velcro. So there is a step in the right direction, and they must be bringing in consultants because you know, you can only get so far if you don't have the experience. Yeah. But they're they're trying. And I think that's the big thing. And once the big companies do it, smaller companies will see the value and they will start initiating and putting that into their practice as well. So from a brand's perspective, accessibility is something that isn't as talked about now, which is ironic because it's very much more talked about now than it was two years ago. But I can definitely see the way that this is going, the way the tide is flowing, and it will be talked about more in three, four, five years. I suspect most companies will have stuff like this on their website where you can directly interact with these types of products and find mm-hmm. people who can help navigate you to them if you can't find them on the website. It's it's funny, you something you said kind of made me think about, I had um, was recently reading that Victoria's Secret launched an adaptive bra uh, line and and apparel line, right? And I'm curious, and and if you can speak to this for your exposure directly at Lululemon or a Tommy Hilfiger, this commitment from a model perspective is it part of a a larger accessibility strategy that they're that the brand is implementing, or um, how how do the the various teams come together to think about accessibility? I feel like it starts with the model. So your primary, most companies door to this world is the model. You get the model in there and then you do some product on them. And then what the designers realize when they're fitting the model with these garments is, you know what, we can make this work better. Or we could help them use it easier. If you have, uh, if you're a quad and your hands don't work, you don't have proper hand function. So getting Mm -hmm. the model in there is very often the first step to the next seven from getting um, products that are developed now for people with disabilities, for constructing them, for designing them, for retesting them, for iterations, and then for launching. But the first step is definitely, well, in my experience, the model that's in there, and then you get to see it firsthand. Because, yeah, yeah, it's, at least I haven't heard of it where the design comes first. Usually the model's in there, and then they work backwards from that. It's, yeah, that's, I know it's not the best, from from a Wally perspective, uh, typically the you know the website framework and technology and the design system those things come first, and then they're trying to retrofit to be yeah. able to provide user experience that works for folks. You know, I'd be curious for some of those brands that are offering accessibility sections on their website. How accessible is the content? 
Um, and, and what you're speaking to is, is definitely very relevant to the fashion, beauty, you know, apparel space. Um, I guess stepping outside of the, that, um, that particular line of business, how are, you know, the, the community involvement that you've had, uh, at the educational level, um, how can the folks like that take away what you're saying? And, you know, they may not be hiring a model because they may not be, uh, purchasing clothing, but getting back to, you know, breaking down those barriers, if, if we're not ready to talk about scaling, how do we get going on the implement implementation? So what Snapchat did in the States is when they wanted to make a step in this direction, they invited speakers, speakers with disabilities to come in and host down. I think it was in San Fran. They hosted meetings and webinars to help talk about what accessibility looks like in hardware and in software. So what does the product look like when you're using it, when you're interacting at the user interface? Is it friendly for everybody? Is everyone able to use it? Which is one of the big questions that not everyone had a clear answer to. Because if you don't understand the needs of the individuals, how are you to know that everybody gets to use your product? And the bottom line there is that it might cost you a little bit now, but if you implement it from the beginning, it's going to be cheaper. Either way, it's going to be more efficient. And down the line, what you're going to have is more users, which just means your bottom line raises. Because then you have more people on there watching the ads, making money off of it. So from a perspective of the teachers or a company that wants to learn, what I would say is reach out to somebody in the community and have them come in or have a private one-on-one with them like this or on Zoom and listen mm -hmm. to what they have to say and understand that most of what you're wanting to learn, they have. And the trick is just to ask the right questions to get the answers out of them that will help answer what you have in the back of your mind as well. So there's a lot of questions that are taboo. I see this all the time in classrooms. The kid will raise his hand. The kid's not eight, nine. She asks a question. She's like, no, 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 you can't ask that. And I think it's important that as much as there are societal norms of what we can ask people with disabilities, if we get the right people in there who are willing to answer those difficult questions, it'll be better for everybody down the line. Nothing yeah. wrong with being curious. And especially as with adults, this is way worse because they don't even raise their hand. It's just a thought in the back of their head that never gets questioned, never gets answered. So what the beautiful thing with the kids that I love is their curiosity. They don't have filters. They're wondering what you're wondering, but they, they're willing to ask it. They're willing to say it. And yeah. it is something that's great. So what I would say, if you're trying to learn, find that person in the community, talk to them and uh, hear what they have to say. So you, you know, certainly have seen personal challenges yourself, um, but also working with brands, working within the community. I'm, I'm just curious to have some introspective thought from your, uh, from your side on what are some of the challenges that you've faced, some personal setbacks um, by working within the community or even yourself um, becoming someone who's in a wheelchair? Yeah, so working in the community in different schools, on sets for TV shows, for commercials, with companies, with brands, is that they don't know what you need to actually get in the space. So before you get to the communication aspect, you have to be able to get in the building. And very often, that's not an easy option. So I'll get there, even at work. So I'd get there and I wouldn't be able to use the space like everybody else. I wouldn't be able to get to the back, wouldn't be able to get to the shoot. I wouldn't be able to get to where they were doing things. And so the bigger issue is actually getting there. And the, when you're the first person of your type in these spaces, 
you're going to have to navigate those challenges for the first time with everyone else that works there. So it's awkward. It's cumbersome. It's clumsy, but it's necessary. And all it yeah. means is that the next person has an easier way to get there and an easier way to get their foot in the door. So perfection is not what we're looking for, or even remotely what we're aiming for. We're just looking for effort. It's, uh, I'll ask you a question, hopefully not putting you on the spot, but you know, who breaks the ice in the situation like that? Were you the one to say like, Hey, you know, I'm as capable in the store to put clothes back on the rack or check someone out at the register. Were you the one who broke the ice? Cause you know, I, I found it not somewhat humorous, but you're right on the, on the kid side is they kind of lack no filter. So who, who broke the ice? To circle back on what we were talking about earlier, I mentioned that sometimes you in the vulnerable spot have to take that first step to put yourself in a more vulnerable spot to show people that you can do things. And that's yeah. what it's like most of the time. Like they'll watch and they'll look at you and kind of wait for you to do something. And uh, eventually you'll do it and they'll see, okay, cool. We can ask him to do that now. And it took, I think, four months for me to be comfortable in every space. And I wasn't physically comfortable in every space. And emotionally it was taxing and it did suck. And there was a lot of times that were really hard because of things that I was going through just to do with disability. But it's important that those negative emotions never tap into the people who are trying to help. And that's where that stereotype of the agitated person with a disability comes from because it is agitating. It's agitating yeah. as well. Hell. Like my anxiety, my frustration, my stress shows that like a four where let's say a normal person's at a one or a zero because I have to move around in this two by two foot box, nailing everything. I can't go upstairs. Everything's difficult and below everything. So that, that stereotype is true. It's very much easy to be agitated and to let that seep into the people that are around you. So it's super, super, super important, at least to me, that that never happens to the best of my abilities because they're just trying to help. And the problem is if you lash out from a place of vulnerability, chances are those people will let you get away with it. And as much as it sucks, and I understand why that happens, we as people with disabilities, especially me, have to keep myself in check to make sure that that doesn't happen. So it's a question of what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Do you say something or do they give you the task? And uh, usually you got to say something and you just got to show initiative and then the rest follows. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a theme that I'm hearing from you uh, throughout our conversation today, which is, you know, you put yourself in a vulnerable spot. The CMO, the head of studio, the art director, the photographer, folks within business that are helping to support an inclusive mission for the brand to be able to reach all of their potential consumers, uh, you know, their advocates. You're as big of a champion for a brand as someone as someone else. Um, yeah. It comes, you put yourself in the vulnerable spot. Uh, I think, you know, the leaders within the business need to accept that, need to put themselves in that vulnerable spot of um, having the conversation, uh, which was the, the other piece that you've kind of consistently come back to is, you felt vulnerable or put yourself in a vulnerable spot. You had that conversation. You've yeah. worked with brands to have that conversation. The kids, you know, you almost want to tell the teacher, like, let, let the, let, let John speak, you know, uh, we want to hear what he has to say. Um, so that's, you know, that's really powerful for me because for f leaders, a lot of leaders have big egos, you know, you gotta be able to just bite through, um, being that invincible leader for a second and to uh, just like anything in order to learn, you need to 
break down those walls and fences. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about the success that you've been able to drive. Uh, I think you started out, you know, some of the introduction yourself about the success that you create, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, a couple uh, recent times where you've been able to see success from the efforts you put in. So the first would be the Paralympic line, very obvious, very tangible success. We can see iterations of building a product and developing and watching it come to fruition. That's a great thing. And then in physical spaces, in terms of physical activity, so I do sports, I do public speaking at sporting events, fitness events, so as like a motivational speaker. And seeing that uh, is very ethereal. You get to feel people's energies and frequencies being raised with conversation, with the right type of conversation. And I really enjoy that as well. And the successes in companies is you can, when we have these things, these roadblocks along the way, and the people you're working with, you can see it in their eyes when they have the realization that you're making it through different problems and they're learning. And then you can see them rewire their thoughts and their preconceptions of what this means to help somebody with a disability or to work with someone with a disability. And that yeah. is, it's quite rewarding. It's almost more rewarding than the tangible things because you get to see them change for the better and have more understanding and work with them and understand how to work with the next person. So of all the things that I enjoy to see as results of my work, I think the one-on-one -on -one aspect where we're learning from each other is the most rewarding. Yeah. One of the challenges, um, to kind of go back to just an earlier thought, but I think, you know, one of the challenges out there in the, um, inclusion and accessibility space that brands are, you know, more and more brands have a diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility mission statement on their website. Right. And not every way that the brand can evaluate their next website visitor, their next store visitor in person is, is visible, right? Like yeah. there's a lot of discussion in the space around, you know, the aging population and there's visual impairments, there's hearing impairments. There's also people that are born with no vision uh, or no, no hearing there's cognitive disabilities. So it's, you know, I think being able to look at inclusion and accessibility from not just what you can see on a person or, or um, understand that, you know, how they interpret uh, something from an audio perspective, you know, you need to, to go at it with an open mind. Yeah, to add, yeah sorry, to add to that real quick, there's 30 million something people in Canada right around there. And one in five people with, in here have a disability. So we're talking 6 million people. The elderly population, all the boomers that are growing up, they are, a lot of them are having disabilities now. As they get older, hearing, seeing, sight, visual impairments. In the States, let's say we have 300 yeah. million. I think it's right around there, maybe 320. That's 61 million people that have a disability that you can affect. And if you get in there first, that's 61 new customers that are coming to you. So, yeah, there's... And that's... I, you just that. said something that's so funny because it's like brands, you know, and, and I'm sure to a very calculated move from Lululemon, the audience, the buyer, the the advocate for their brand was right at the doorstep, right? Like, yeah, I'm sure, you know, and I know you live locally to them, but it wasn't your first time learning about Lululemon when you got a call or you saw a posting or whatnot to help them launch this line. So um, that 
that buyer, that, that advocate for the brand is right there. And to me, I think very, I think numbers based and it was hard for me to see the value in putting all this money into building accessibility things for people because I thought it was such a small group. I was like, there's no way it's profitable to put money into this because you're mm. building this for what? A couple hundred thousand people? Because I was just thinking about people like me. But guess what? There's a lot more than people like me that includes having a disability. So it turns out it's not just profitable. It makes it grows the brand in different areas that wouldn't have been there. Because guess what? There's 32 yeah, million people. But if you have grandparents, if you have parents, if you have younger, everyone knows somebody with a disability that they can buy a gift for if they know yeah. that your company has. So there's and huge you wear value. athletic shorts. I'm sure yeah. you're you're wearing an athletic tee when you're playing basketball. So, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a relatable um, component there. So I want to wrap up with just your take on some of the biggest disruptions coming in the accessibility space. I think right now it's a race to get there first and do it right first, because once we break that wall, that seal of it being norm and not just norm to have inclusivity, diversity, equity, and action in your mission statement idea. We all have that, but the next step is going to be actually implementing that in our websites and in our product. And once we get there, who does it first, who does it fastest, and who does it best is going to own the market. So yeah. if you want to be a disruptor for that, invest now, invest quick, and make the product proper. Because from what I know, there's a lot of, there's a few products that have accessibility built into it but not a lot of them are very nice or put together too well or stuff that i would wear because it's just as someone who likes fashion and likes to look good not a lot, not a lot of it looks good and not a lot of the products are yeah. really that well designed so if you want to be disruptor get in there and you know stick your company in there and make something of it because there's space and there's a lot to be to be caught in there very good, Roman. Um, we're getting towards the, the tail end uh, of our conversation today. I wanted to kind of open the forum up for anything else you want to share or touch on that we may not have gotten to today. Yeah, to highlight, I think we'll just be conversations. If you want to learn more about this, if you want to bring in someone to communicate to your school, to your brand, to your company, whatever it might be, find someone in your community, talk to them, bring them forward, ask them if they're comfortable being vulnerable and have that conversation. It might be difficult for both sides, because they have to be vulnerable and you have to admit you don't know everything, which is hard. But once you get there and you have that common ground, beautiful things can happen. And that's what I get to see firsthand all the time. And that's what I encourage everyone else to try and have a get a taste for. Because once you do, you'll love it. So the only thing to take away from this is have conversations and be open-minded. That'll take you as far as you need to go. Okay. Thank you again, Roman. Really enjoyed having you. Uh, on our conversation each week and uh, hope that we can redo we can do this again because uh, every time I speak with you I learn more so thank you again Roman thank you Ryan. I appreciate it